On today's episode of the Breaking the Game show, Austin and I conduct our Eastern Conference exit interviews. We talk about expectations versus what actually happened for each team. We go over the best players, the most disappointing rotational players. We get into how the coaches have done, and then we also get into the biggest decision that each team has to make for the upcoming season. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Break in the Game Show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, if you're watching us live, a very exclusive morning episode of Break in the Game mm-hmm. here this Thursday morning, and I am joined by none other than my good friend, my co-host, Austin Carr. Austin, good morning. How you doing, brother? Hey, good morning, Stephen. I'm doing good. It's uh, bright and early, but... I kind of like it. It's nice. It's uh, sunny out. It should be a good day. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to being a daytime radio personality today, at least right. for the live. If you're listening to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, first off, thank you so much for your devoted listenership. We mu- It's much appreciated, but we are recording at a different time of day, the day before. And don't worry, we're not going to be talking about stuff that's really going to change that much difference between the day and the day that you're listening, because... Today, Austin, we're discussing our Eastern Conference exit interviews. So yes. why don't we um, explain to the folks what our rundown of uh, what we're going to be discussing for each team are. So we're just going to be going, you know, team by team through the Eastern Conference and uh, giving you, you know, where we thought they would start or where we thought they would finish the season at the beginning of the year versus where they actually did. Um, you know, who their best player was, who our most disappointing player was, the coaching performance. And um, there was one more thing, wasn't there, Stephen? Yeah, we're going to be the biggest looming decision coming yep, up biggest for them decision the next year. It was. Mm-hmm. And then Austin, we're going to close oh. out the show, Austin, with your idea, which was uh, the- just a team to look for, a team to look forward to for next year. You know, someone that we're excited about for whatever, for one reason or another, going into next season. There we go. All right, so it's going to be a fun show. It's probably going to run a little long. So after this, why don't you head on over to anywhere that you get your podcast, look up Breaking the Game, and there you will be able to find the continued version of this episode because we're going to be covering all 15 teams. And our buddy, Mo Murphy, from the Off the Ball Network, which is where we also contribute, he writes in saying, Mountain Dew and Breaking the Game, what a morning. Shout out to Mountain Dew. Um, If you want to sponsor the show, Reach out to us offline. I do. Hit us up. To, yep. Let's 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 hook it up. We already are sponsored by Manscaped, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit more later on. But I just want to let y'all know: go to manscaped.com, enter in promo code BTG. That'll hook you up with twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping. Austin. Yes, can't beat it, man. That's a heck of a deal. Some great products. Go ahead, go ahead over to Manscaped and check them out now. Absolutely. And our other friend, Kenneth Cotterill, writes in, no Knicks talk, please, or I got to shut off the show. Kenneth, I know you're coming in hot. Plug for the group chat. We've had a heck of a Knicks conversation. Uh, Kenneth, unfortunately for you, the Knicks are a part of the Eastern Conference. We are going to be discussing them at some point on the show, but we're also going to be discussing your Tampa, I mean, your Toronto Raptors. So please right. tune in for the continued discussion. Freudian slip there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe I meant to do that. I don't know. 
right, Austin. So obviously there's 15 teams. There's only two of this, two of us. So this is going to be split up a little bit uh, unevenly today, but we'll catch up with it on the back end with the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. But today you're going to get us started with your analysis of how the Atlanta Hawks have done this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll go ahead and get us started with Atlanta. Um, going into the season, I was I was expecting them to make the playoffs, but um, I had them projected as the seventh seed. And, uh, you know, they're right now they're in fifth, so they're doing slightly better than what I expected. Obviously, I think it's pretty easy to see who their best player has been all year. I mean, it's Trey Young. Um, you and I both just released our all NBA teams and we both admitted that it was a, it was a struggle to leave him off. But uh, you know, if, if he does end up making a, an all NBA team, I wouldn't have any gripe with it either. I think he's had a heck of a year. Um, you know, the real, the real big thing for, for this team has kind of just been the, the coaching change that they made um, not to jump around too much, but um, I, 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 their most disappointing player um I had a really hard time with this one. Uh, I, I'm kind of pretty high on a lot of their a lot of their players. Um, so you know, for them to really exceed expectations for me, like like they did, um, I guess I kind of I'll go with Cam Reddish just because of the injuries. Okay. I, I expected a big year out of him, and, and I hate using injuries as, as an excuse to be disappointed in a guy. I don't want it, to. It's I'm don't be. That's going to be him. kind of a. It's going to be something that I'm going to bring up with a few of my guys. So don't. Be yeah, scared. it's just I was I was expecting kind of a, a big year from him. So I was more so disappointed that <laughs> I was more so disappointed than that I didn't get to see more of him this year than with his performance. But you know, I just I was looking forward to to seeing what he'd do on the on the court this year. But the you know the coaching job obviously Lloyd Pierce got fired you know, early on in the season and they brought in Nate McMillan and, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, Jeff, my mic is on Austin. You hear me, correct? Yes. I can hear you just okay. fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for checking in Jeff. Yeah. Um, but you know, ever since Nate McMillan took over this team, it's been a, it's been a completely different team and it's you and I are both big Nate McMillan fans. It's kind of what, a lot of people, I think, expected when Nate McMillan got signed to the contract that he did, considering, you know, he he's a former head coach. Lloyd Pierce and him had no real working relationship before this. And so it was just um, it was kind of the writing on the wall was there that Nate McMillan was going to take over this team. And they've been terrific since that point. So, you know, obviously the coaching job that he's done has been fantastic. And then um the biggest looming decision for, for this team, I, I was going to say the coaching, but I think Nate McMillan's probably, at least in my eyes, he should have won that the, the right to, you know, he's earned the right to be that team's head coach going forward. I think they should give him a contract. So I went with John Collins. Um, you know, what do they do with him? I think, you know, when Lloyd Pierce was still there, he, he was ready to be out of Atlanta. Um, things weren't going real well. But ever since that point, it's really, uh, things have kind of turned around. You haven't heard much about that anymore. Um, He's been their second best player, you know, all year. He's he's uh, he's a really really talented guy, and he's still young. And I I think it would be smart to to try to figure out a way to bring him back. I, I don't know, it, it especially if he's going to be a free agent. Um, you know, I think his trade value was probably pretty high, but mm -hmm. they they decided not to trade him. So I, I think you've got to do what you can to try to bring him back. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Jeff did write right in. I'm I'm so glad that he did because my mic, for whatever reason, the audio did switch over. So thank you, Jeff, for writing in. Right. Austin, do you hold me better now? Uh, yeah, you're a little bit more clear. I mean, I could hear you just fine before, though, too. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, I agree with a lot of what you said, um, especially the injury portion. I'm going to be discussing that with a couple of the teams that I'm going to be covering as well. Um, Jeff writes in and says, there we go. Thank you again, Jeff. That's why you're the pod father and right. I'm just pawns in your game. But um, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. The only pushback I would slightly give for the most disappointing player would be Danilo Gallinari would be would be mine, but I definitely understand the aspect of you got a you know hot young prospect expecting a lot of big things for him. He wasn't available, so that would be disappointing as well. So I, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said. And Austin, I don't know if I explained this earlier, but we're gonna kind of be alternating between each team. So you cover the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time debating one way or the other. We're right. just gonna kind of rotate through, discuss each team. So. I'm with the Boston Celtics. Now, Austin, if you remember, I had them projected to be the number one team in the Eastern Conference. What do I know? <laughs> you know, right now they're seventh in the Eastern Conference. Um, they've dealt with losses to um, Jalen Brown, who's out for the rest of the season. Kimba, Smart, and Tatum dealing with like asthma-like symptoms since he caught COVID. So that's been difficult for him. Obviously, Jason Tatum, he's the best player for me on this squad. You know, he's on my All-NBA second team on OffTheBallNetwork.com where you can go get all of your sports needs. He's averaging about 26, 7, and 4 on a 46, 39, 87 clip. He's got a PER of 21.2, 6.3 win shares. My disappointing player for the Boston Celtics has got to be Kimba Walker because he's missed significant time again this year. Mm-hmm. He's played in only 43 games, may only play one more for the rest of their season, right? So it's kind of difficult for the amount of money that he's making, you know, north of thirty million dollars a year, missing a lot of time. You know, his averages aren't too bad. Forty-three field goal percentage is not super high, but you know, his thirty-six three-point percentage isn't terrible either. Um, on eight point two attempts per game, that average with the amount that he hoists up, probably not ideal for you know a competing team. And he is giving you 19 points per game. I understand that. But, you know, he's a defensive liability. He's not as explosive as he used to be. And he's holding up a lot of their salary cap. So um, he would have to be my most disappointing player for them. Brad Stevens, you know, his coaching performance, he seems like he's kind of lost the locker room. You know, they don't really stand out in any one area. Statistically, when you're talking team-wise, they're about middle of the road across the board. And their defense has actually taken a major step back from years prior and to me their biggest looming decision Austin is do they hang on to Brad Stevens because he was rumored to be you know going to Indiana University apparently they offered him a seven-year 70 million dollar contract that's a lot of cash I don't know if maybe with what we're seeing this season Brown's out for the rest of the year that might give him a little bit of a saving grace for his job but you got to start feeling like the Celtics might be thinking about doing some major roster configuration. What do you think about that, Austin? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I actually had them uh, fifth in my in my predictions. I I started um, my early way too early that we did back way back when I had them second. And yeah, I don't know whatever it was. I had an epiphany because I'm looking through my. Uh, my rankings now from like the day before the season and they're all a heck of a lot better than, than I thought they were. So there were some that were way off, but Boston, like Jeff just said, Boston never really found their identity. They just kind Mm -hmm. of never really had that run of, you know, success throughout the season. It was always just kind of hit and miss. So 
you know, uh, Brad Stevens is is one of my favorites. I, I love him, I, but sometimes your voice just gets stale, and you know your message just gets lost. So, and Phil Jackson spoke on that too. One of his coaching philosophies is, you know, you can't really stay in one spot for too long, or your mm-hmm. your voice doesn't carry as much weight. So maybe we're kind of seeing that because Stevens has been in Boston for longer than I initially thought. This is coming up mm-hmm. on like nine seasons, man. So. Right. It's a pretty extensive run that he's had. For, so, for a guy that they hired as the as the the bridge to the next head coach, I think he's done pretty good. You know, yeah. I mean, we're talking about three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals. It's not that he's done bad. It's just that they don't seem to be progressing. They seem right. stale. If that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. Good point. All right, all righty, Austin. So we're rolling right into the next team. You have the Brooklyn Nets. So what's yes. your breakdown of Brooklyn? Um, you know, I had them projected first going into the season, obviously with with talents like Katie and, and Kyrie. And then when they added James Harden, you know, how can, how can you not expect big things from a roster like that? And they're currently in second and it looks like that's where they're going to finish. Um, so not too far off there. Uh, best player for me, uh, I would say it's, it was James Harden when he was there. I mean, yeah. he completely changed that team. They were, they were like a 500 team when they made that trade. And I mean, they've completely taken off since then. He's been hurt. He came back last night, looked really good. Um, you know, if they're all healthy, that's going to be a hard team to beat. Uh, disappointing rotation player for me, uh, I went with DeAndre Jordan. And just because I, I didn't really have huge expectations for DeAndre Jordan, but he's had an average of double-double for every year for the last eight years. And this year he had, he just kind of fell off. And I was just looking. He's had DNPs in four of the, or five of the last nine games. Um, yeah. When Before the, you know, the, the issues with uh, the health issues with, LaMarcus Aldridge happened and he had to retire. It kind of looked like he was not even going to have a, a spot in the rotation anymore. And I don't think that's what they expected from him at all. So uh, I went with him, even though, you know, when you're in first or second place, sometimes it's kind of hard to find a guy that's really disappointing as, but it, I would say it was him um, coaching Steve Nash, rookie head coach. I mean, what more can you ask for? The guy's been pretty much everything you'd want. Out of out of the coach of this team, they've they've gotten along, haven't had any real issues. You know, we had that little two week thing with Kyrie there, and and I think he handled it really well. He just kind of let it happen and moved on like it was no big deal. And this team's really kind of, you know, righted the ship so to speak, and and been right there at the top of the Eastern Conference all year. And I wasn't hundred percent sure how Steve Nash would do as a as a rookie head coach with some of the egos on this team, but they've. They've been able to put those aside and uh, really, you know, succeed this year. And the only thing for for this team, and it's part of my biggest looming decision, is is you can't hardly say it's not championship or bust this year with the with the way they've gone about adding guys at the you know through the buyouts and the trade deadline and and who's on this roster. So my only thing is is if they don't win the NBA title, where do they go from here? You know, what do they do? Obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie's been hurt, and they'll get him back next year, and that's going to be a big put, big you know, addition for them. But just if they win the title, I I don't know how do you, how do you keep these three guys all together? I guess for the long term, because obviously they're going to want to. And if they don't, you know, where do they go from here? How do how do you improve on a roster that's got those three guys on it already? Yeah, and that's an interesting point. But I think what what also makes it more interesting is you could probably keep these guys on the same roster because. Kevin Durant's getting older, James Harden mm-hmm. be getting older by the time all their contracts, you know, kind of come mm-hmm. to an end, so to speak. So maybe there's a way you can get it. I'm with you on DeAndre, you know, um, Jordan. 
with being the most disappointing player and the coaching job. I just want to touch on real quick for Steve Nash. He's he's got all these talented people and you say, well, how are they not doing so well with them? Well, they've all missed extensive periods of the season, you know, Mm -hmm. a third of the season, a quarter of the season, half of the season, if not more for some of these guys. So I think that he's done a tremendous job. So we'll um, we'll roll right into the Charlotte Hornets here, Austin. Results versus expectations with this team. I mean, I had them 13th in the East, and I thought I might be a little bit generous with where I had them. But, man, right now they're already in eighth place right now. And just real quick, our buddy Brooklyn says, writes in and says, spot on Austin and Steven. I can't believe these three guys are going to be the Nets for the long haul. Nash, coach of the year. I think he could be, you know, the, the new favorite thing to say now, right, Austin, is he can mm-hmm. be in the conversation. I just don't think that people, one, will do it, and two, I don't think that he's outdone guys like, you know, Quinn Snyder, Monty Williams, or Tom Thibodeau. But I was he's say, there's there. another coach in his in his in the same town that is just a bigger story regardless. It's the next, you know, you can't really can't help that. You know, the media's gonna push that no matter how good Brooklyn was this year. Absolutely. But all right, we're gonna roll into the Charlotte Hornets now. Uh, I already mentioned that I had them thirteenth, they're eighth. You know, they signed Gordon Hayward, they drafted LaMelo Ball. I had Ball third on my board overall. We'll see kind of how that plays out down the line. But I might surprise you with who my best player is. I have Terry Rozier. He's averaging 21, 4, and 4. He's on a 46, 39, 82 clip, 17.4 PER, 5.3 win shares. To me, you know, his scoring, his, you know, tenacity, the way he attacks the basket, he can shoot. He moves the ball well, too. He's not a bad defender either, Austin. Just real quick, how do you feel about him as the best player? Uh, it's surprising to hear you say that, but when you look at the numbers, it's really not that nothing too crazy. So I like it. Yeah, and more on the mellow ball here in a minute. But the most <laughs> disappointing um, rotational player that that I have, um, my notes are a little bit jacked up, but I did have um, Cody Zeller as my mm-hmm. most disappointing player because I mean, at one point he missed thirteen consecutive games. You know, he's losing his place in the rotation. He doesn't really even fit on their current play with their. Uh, current playing style or their scheme he mm-hmm. only plays about 20 minutes per game and his value over rotational player austin is at a 0.5 i mean it's right. not that great at all so um you know a guy who was a first round draft pick a high first round draft pick mm-hmm. now all of a sudden isn't a part of this team's future that went into my assessment of him being the most disappointing guy uh the coaching performance james borrego i think he's showing how great of a coach he can be um, runs a very egalitarian style offense where everyone's involved. You know, the ball kind of hops around a little bit. There's not one guy as the focal point. Everybody on any given night could be the guy. And we've seen that with guys like Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, mm-hmm. LaMelo, Graham, etc. Um, and their biggest looming decision is what do they do with Devontae Graham? Because he's a restricted free agent after this season. Rozier transfers into being a res- unrestricted free agent the following year, Austin. So, is kind of how many point guards do you want to keep and can you pay them all? Because at some point, Lamelo Ball is going to be the franchise player and making big, big bucks underneath Michael Jordan. So what do you think of the Hornets assessment? Um, spot on, you know, like usual, like all your work, Stephen, you do a great job. Well, um, you. you know, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, two guys I think that have, have kind of stepped up this year. PJ Washington had a good year last year, but Miles Bridges was somebody that coming out of college, I was pretty high on and 
you know, for whatever reason, it took him a little while, but he's had some really, really big games this year for this team. And, you know, we'll get into it a little later, but I'm I'm pretty excited for the the future of the Charlotte Hornets. And just so you don't feel too bad, I think I've I'm pretty sure I had Charlotte as like either 14th or 15th in the <laughs> East. So I'm pretty sure it was 14. So I was right there with you. I didn't I didn't have too many expectations from from this team. So coaching has been great. You know, these young players have really come together. They need a big man, though, for sure. You're right about that. Yeah, and, and Zeller has shown that he can do that. We'll see what they do with the draft and free agency because they're not really um, necessarily a cap strap team. They have some flexibility that they can do, Austin. But rolling right along into our vice president, Jeff Hunt, his team, and Couch Coach Live's team, too, the Chicago Bulls, you know, let's do them right here, Austin, and talk a little right. bit about. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm a a little bit of a, a Bulls fan, too. I've You know, I've grown up in Indiana not too far from Chicago. So I've, my dad's always liked the Bulls. So I've kind of mm-hmm. always followed them too. Um, honestly, I was a little disappointed in in how they've done this year. Looking back, I did project them to finish 10th and they're currently 11th. So, you know, obviously I didn't have too high expectations going into the season for them. But especially after the the Vucevic trade, I expected them to, to be a playoff team. But, um, you know, best player, Zach Levine. Levine, however you want to say it. I say Levine, <laughs> everybody else says Levine, whatever. Uh, you know, he's been terrific. 27 points per game. He actually did make my third team all NBA team this year. Um, so I don't know how how unpopular or popular of an opinion that is, but I, I, respe- I, I respect it. It's, I, I think I like he's that. had a terrific season. Um, you know, their most disappointing player is, without a doubt, Laurie Markkinen. Um, his scoring drop again, uh, he's – Seven feet tall, 260 pounds, and he averages five rebounds a game. Um, you know, you, you can't have that from from a guy that's that size. Two years ago, he averaged nine rebounds a game, 18 and nine. This year, he's down below 15 points and, and five rebounds a game. Um, his shooting has struggled, which is kind of the one plus thing that he had coming out of college, just b- besides being seven feet tall. And I, I think at the beginning of this year, it was, you know, if Laurie Markkinen has a big year, how do the Bulls bring him back? Now it's more of why do the Bulls bring him back if they do? And is he a part of their future? And I, I don't just don't think that he is. Um, Billy Donovan, you know, as you know, he was my pick for coach of the year last year. I kind of expected him to come in and really, you know, turn this team around quickly. And that hasn't been the case. Um, I, I'm a little down on on his coaching performance this year especially after that trade for for Nick Vucevic. I expected this team to kind of take off. And I know Levine missed time with, uh, you know, COVID. He was mm-hmm. out for a while because of that. So that that really hurt. But I just saw all the, all the pieces on this team and all these young guys and these high picks and figured, you know, with the right coach coming in and the new front office that they have, that, you know, we're going to start seeing some some progression. And it just, other than Zach Levine, it hasn't been there. And, you know, hopefully a full season next year of him and Vucevic will, will help. But uh, their biggest decision going forward, I think, was going to be Laurie Markkinen. But I, I'd say he's gone now. I, I don't see why they would spend a whole lot of money to bring him back. So I would say you have to make a decision. Is Kobe White the the point guard of the future for this team? He flashes from him that that show you that he can do it. And then other times it's you're not so sure. So... I think their biggest decision going forward has to be determining whether or not Kobe White is, you know, the future lead guard on this roster. 
I think that's a fair assessment too, man. And I, there, I don't really have any kickback at all. I think that that was a very, you know, astute um, evaluation of the, the exit interview for the yeah. Chicago Bulls, man. And, you know, speaking of spot on, we're going to transition now to a message from Manscaped. Hey. And we have some breaking news. This is an important PSA brought to you by the folks over at Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement, Austin, and news that you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and, yes, Kenneth, in Canada as well. The new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are some of the first people to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, like us, with this exclusive offer for you. That's 20% and free worldwide shipping with the code BTG at Manscaped.com. We're some of the first people to try the Ford Auto. We're both blown away by the performance and the craftsmanship and details on it are next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your testes are as safe as possible. What makes this trimmer different from others? It has a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through the additional guard lens or guard links, excuse me, sizes one through four. And looks wise, it's sleek with two tone matte and gloss finish, which even features a hot foil stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show off that mower loud and proud. The optimized lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention Austin wireless charging? The lawnmower 4.0 new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help the battery length last even longer. And if you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com. No person wants to end up with their pubes in their mouth and your balls will thank you, Austin. Tell the folks a little bit about Manscaped. Well, you just said a lot of big words there and a lot of, you know, technological stuff. And that's not really my game, but it's the best product out there. You know, it's it's always they're really cool looking. Um, you know, it does the job. It's exactly what you need. Like Stephen said, you know, you're not going to nick yourself. Uh, they've got tons of great products. And, you know, don't be don't be scared off like I kind of am sometimes by all those big words, you know, go use our 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 just our three letter code BTG. It's simple. It's easy. You know, you get the best products out there and you get 20 percent off and free shipping. So you can't really beat it. Can't beat it at all. So speaking of can't beat it at all, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're my next team. They seem to can't win at all. Results versus expectations with Cleveland. I projected them to be the 15th team in the east so i actually had the knicks above somebody preseason and right now they are 14th in the east we know that they drafted isaac okoro they made a big you know four team deal with a couple other teams to bring in jared allen but their best player to me austin is colin sexton i think that that's pretty simple it's 24 3 and 4 scoring rebounding and assisting on a 48 37 81 clip 17.8 PER, 3.3 win shares on this bottom-dwelling team is not too terrible. Um, Their biggest disappointing rotational player, I think it's easy, is Kevin Love because of the amount of time that he's missed. He's only played about 25 games. Um, This is the second season where he has 
been very demonstrative on the court, you know, detrimental to the team, not really proving himself to be a, a big teammate, especially on the amount of money that he makes. Um, he pouts, he, you know, he quits on his team. He whines. Not only that, but he was averaging 11 and a half points per game, seven rebounds um, on a 39, 35, 81 clip. He only has 0.7 win shares, you know, kind of contrasting what Colin Sexton has at 3.3. And Austin, get this, his value over replacement player is only at a 0.1. So the coaching job, um, JB Bickerstaff has a tough gig. I don't know what you can expect of him with the, the roster that they have. I don't necessarily think that he's been a bad coach, but I don't think that you see anything Cleveland doing that you're like, oh, wow, JB definitely has an imprint on this team. So it's kind of a dangerous place to be as an NBA head coach. So hopefully it works out well for him. And their biggest looming decision to me, Austin, is how much do they pay Jared Allen, the center that they traded for and who's touted to be their center of the future? You know, it looks like they want to keep this undersized backcourt of, you know, Garland and Sexton together. They have a Coro. You know, they, they're pretty big on CD Osmond as well. I don't know how they continue to build on this team. And, you know, it, I'm just curious to see how much they pay for Allen. What do you think? Yeah, you know, for a team that going into the season had, you know, just a traffic jam of big men, so to speak, with uh, Drummond and and Love both being and really, really high high paid. And and they had JaVale McGee, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, both of those guys that I mentioned first are making a ton of money. Kevin Love's getting like 30 plus million dollars a year to basically be a replacement level player. And they obviously need to figure out a way to get out from under that contract. But I will say this for Cleveland going into the season, I wasn't sure that they had anybody uh, to be too excited about going into the future. And I, I would say Colin Sexton has proven me wrong there. He's, he's had a good season. So at least they have him and Jared Allen to kind of hopefully build around because I do like Jared Allen. And I think, you know, if, if they can get their financial situation figured out with Kevin Love and get, get his contract off their books as soon as possible, then, you know, they need to try to resign him to a, a pretty big contract, I think, to keep him there. Cause he's, he's all they really have besides, you know, Sexton and, and Garland. Garland's had a pretty good year too. He's been off and on, but I, I like think, Okoro too. I think Okoro is showing that he could be a little something yeah. in the league too. Right. Definitely. So, you know, they've got some pieces in place now that I feel like at least they have a direction. So, you know, can't really fault the coach like you said. So I think everything you said is pretty spot on. Yeah. And if you've noticed, Austin, you have the headliner teams. I have what I like to call the league pass teams. Yeah. In this it Eastern just Conference. worked out so, that way. We just did alphabetical. So luck of the draw. Yep. It's just the way that it falls. You got my pacers, though. So I got your pacers and you got a guy on this team that I'm interested to hear if you discuss at all. And you're going to be talking about the Detroit Pistons. I am going to be talking about the Detroit Pistons. Yes, I am. Uh, the Detroit Pistons. I projected them 14th. And they're 15th, so not too far off. Their best player has definitely been Jeremy Grant. I know you love him. Love um, Grant. You know, he's had a breakout season. For everybody that was confused why he would take the same amount of money in Detroit versus Denver, where he could go and be on a winning team, you know, this is why. He wanted the chance to be to be the guy. He wanted a chance to, you know, eat, so to speak, get his, get his numbers a little bit more. And I think it's worked out for him because – in a few years now, he's still young enough where he can go get an, he's going to demand a much bigger contract than he would have, you know, long term. 
with the uh, the productions that he's had this year. And I'm not so sure that that would have been the case in in Denver. And even even with his talent and how good he is, with Michael Porter Jr. you know exploding the way he has this year, he might have been somewhat of an odd man out of, in Denver you know, in the long run anyway. So I think it was ultimately a good move for him, even though, you know, Detroit hasn't, hasn't been good. Um, Most disappointing player. You could go with a handful of guys on this team. They've had a rough year. I actually went with a guy that's not even on their team anymore. I went with Blake Griffin. Um, I was excited to see what he could do coming back from injury going into this year. I thought Detroit could surprise some people if he was, before he got hurt, I think Blake Griffin, the year before he got hurt was the best Blake Griffin that we've just about ever seen. You know, he was by far the most efficient. He developed, you know, a little bit of a mid range kind of game to where he had more than just attack the rim on offense, which is kind of what his game always was. Um, But obviously his injuries really, really robbed him of, of what made him special because I still don't think he has a dunk this season. Um, I could be wrong. He could have. Oh, he, his first possession, I think, in Brooklyn was, a, was dunk. a dunk. Yeah, like as soon as he got to Brooklyn, he dunked the ball. Well, there you go. But, you know, <laughs> the whole time he was with Detroit, he never dunked the ball once all year, which, you know, if you had said that about Blake Griffin a year ago, I would have laughed at you. And it's just, you know, I expected some things from him and Derrick Rose. I kind of thought, you know, those two could at least lead this team to – you know, maybe push for the play-in tournament and not be the worst team in the East for sure. So, you know, I was pretty disappointed with how much the injuries have obviously affected him. Uh, the coaching job, obviously they think Dwayne Casey's done a pretty good job. I agree. Um, he just got a contract extension and rightfully so. I think he's one of the best coaches in the game. Um, underrated for sure. He's one of those guys, kind of like Nate McMillan, he gets the most out of his players. You know, he may not always win titles and may not always be in the finals or or be the number one seed but he's he's gonna get you the most out of out of your players and i think they've we've seen that this year you know they've got three promising young rookies on this team from this most recent draft Uh, all three of them have have been fairly good this year Mm -hmm. honestly i think killian hayes of the three has been the you know if you want to call it a disappointment the most disappointing of the three but just because the other two have been better than i expected and you know being a point guard in the NBA is hard. It's going to take him some time, but they've got they've got some good good young building blocks. They've got a good coach. You know, Jeremy Grant's been a huge surprise to a lot of people. So, despite being 15th in the East, I think there's some some things that you can look look forward to at Detroit. My biggest decision looming for them is how do they get better? Who who do they who do they target in the off season? Is Jeremy Grant their star player? Is he good enough to be the number one guy? I don't know. I think he'd be a, a damn good number two, but you know, are they able to get a star player in Detroit or are we looking at a long rebuild where they're going to have to hit, hit somebody and get, get lucky and hit a star in the draft, which small market teams like that. A lot of times that how that's how it goes, but the Pistons do have, have some, you know, some, some history in the NBA. They they are one of those franchises that even though Detroit's not the hugest market, they they do have some some positive history that people could look at and say, hey, you know, they've been good a lot of different times. They could do it again. And I, I'm just interested to see where they go from here, who who they who they target in the offseason. Yeah, and I think that the draft is going to be how they address that. And it looks like they feel the same way too. I mean, worst team, worst record in the Eastern Conference. Surprisingly, not the worst 
record in the league overall. But mm-hmm. I mean, obviously everyone's a gunner for a Cade Cunningham, a Jalen Suggs, you know, kind of one of these transformational type guys that I think can come in and make an immediate impact on their team. I love the breakdown that you gave of Coach Casey. I think that he should hold like coaching seminars on how to get the most out of players because look right. at the Josh Jackson reclamation project that he's had this year. You know, people, you know, kind of at the network at poke fun of me. I love the way that he's getting, you know, production out of Dennis Smith Jr., a, a guy that the NBA was about ready to give up on. He's kind of has this, you know, campaign feel, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of Phoenix, what we're seeing with him. Dennis Smith could end up being that same type of player. Well, hey, Mason Plumley's almost averaging a double double this year. And I just had a triple double this year, too. Right. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's literally like, 0.7 rebounds away from being a double double on average this year, shooting 61%. Like, I don't know if that's something that I would have ever expected from him, you know, yeah. just based on where his career has been so far. So he's, like I said, he's, he's one of the best at getting the most out of guys. Absolutely, man. And I love the fact that Sadiq Bay is probably going to be, I think he should be an all NBA first team rookie. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, speaking of, uh, you, you talked about Nate McMillan earlier. How about we talk about the team that, they had a bad breakup with, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Results versus uh, expectations for me, I projected them to be seventh in the East. They're ninth, so I was expecting a little bit of a slide back, but not you know as drastic as what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we talked about the coaching change, sw- you know, swapping Nate McMillan for Nate Bjorkren. Um, TJ Warren opted in for surgery, so he was done for the year. And then they acquired Karis LeVert in the trade, which I think long-term is going to help them uh, best player, obviously, is DeMontis Sabonis. You know, he's an all-star for the consecutive season. Might be an all-NBA player, according to our buddy Patrick Graham from, you know, Say It Out Loud sports podcast and on Off the Ball Network. He had him on his third team. So he's giving you 20, 12, and 7 on a 54, 33, 73 clip. Set, or excuse me, 20.7 PER and 7 win shares on the ninth place team in the East. It's not bad. Um, disappointing rotational player, Austin. I'm, I'm curious to kind of get your feedback on this one. I have Gogo Batazzi. You know, he's a first-round pick last year. He's barely playing. Gives you less than 12 minutes per game. 0.2 value over a rotational player. Um, he's averaging 5-3 and three on a 43-24-78% clip. The coaching job, it's no secret now that Nate Bjorkren is rumored to be done after this season. You know, he's lost the locker room, it feels like, and he's even lost people on his staff either via suspension or just walking away from the team altogether. And to me, their biggest looming decision, I'm assuming that Nate Bjorkren is done after this year, as I say this. How do they recover after losing, you know, McDermott and McConnell after being negative 29 million projected? In salary cap next season, both of these guys are going to be unrestricted. They do have some luxury tax space, but I don't know if you go into the luxury cap for McConnell and McDermott after going ninth place in the East, Austin. What do you think of that assessment? I don't think the Pacers are going into the luxury cap to save their lives to begin with. I don't think their <laughs> owner is going to be okay with that for anything in the world unless it's right. to sign a superstar player. So I think you're right there for sure. I think that's one of the big gripes that everybody here in Indianapolis has with the, with the Pacers is when we're close, we won't they won't spend that little bit extra to take that extra step. And I think the the big thing is too, is I felt, and a lot of people felt that this team was really close and looking up and down the level of the roster, Malcolm Brogdon is really, really good. Sabonis is really, really good. Oladipo, he was hurt. They traded him. The guy they got for him, I think Levert, I think was a, a heck of a deal for Indiana. And I think it's, he's really, really good. Uh, Miles Turner, 
underrated by fans and I think per- properly rated by most NBA people, which is he's one of the ones that's weird because I think a lot of fans don't really understand the value that he has for this team. But it, to me, it's a roster that that should should be top top four or five in the East. I, I really think so. And obviously the coaching change didn't work. Um, Nate Bjorkren, for whatever reason, doesn't hasn't sat well with uh, with the guys on this team. They just don't seem to, you know, really really you know listen to his message or they don't really respond to it well and what you said about Goga I think is spot on um you know he was a, a first round pick you've got to see what you've got in the guy you know and they're not even really giving him a chance to play and which is weird and he's not really shooting the ball all that well and I've I can never remember a situation in my life where a guy in the middle of a game turns and points to his own bench and starts yelling cuss words at the coach like yeah. that's unreal <laughs> And so something's really gone wrong there with him and with that team. And there, you know, TJ McConnell was a guy coming into the NBA. I was, I was skeptical on how, how good he would be and how long he was, he would last. And he's arguably one of the best backup point guards in the league. I mean, he had a triple double off the bench this year. He's had 10 steal game. He's had multiple 10 assist games off the bench, which is crazy. And he's going to get paid somewhere. And so is McDermott for sure. If, if they don't figure out a way to bring him back and McDermott too, you know, this is a team that two years ago was one of the best three point shooting teams in the NBA in terms of efficiency. They just didn't shoot it a lot. And then this year they've shot it a lot and haven't been that efficient. So I, I think, you know, you you need all the three-point shooters you can get in today's NBA, and McDermott's pretty much knocked down three-point shooter for the most part. And it's it, they're going to be it's going to be hard pressed to see Indiana, per, you know, improve from where they are now with the way their cap is, and unless they just go out and get a a really good head coach, and that's what they need to turn it around. So we'll see. We will see, man. And all right, speaking of really good head coaches and and great, really really good players, you talked about Victor Oladipo, his new home, and just for everyone who doesn't know, he's done for the year for the Miami Heat. But Austin, what's your assessment of how the Miami Heat have done so far? Well, at first I was kind of down on the Miami Heat. I have been kind of down on them all year. I had them in my way too early rankings. I think I had them finishing first in the East. I was pretty high on them coming off of the NBA Finals run. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people were rightfully so. They, they looked really, really good. But um, I ended up projecting them to finish third, and they're in fifth right now. So, you know, a month ago, I was a lot more down on them than I am now. They, they look good. But injuries have had a huge part of that to this team, and just guys missing time. Tyler Hero's only played not even 50 games. You know, Jimmy Butler's missed 20 games. Every, it seems like every guy on this team has missed a lot of time. Um, but they're healthy now. They're winning games. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jimmy Buckets is back, as you know. I like to call him when he's when he's on, <laughs> and he's he's leading this team. I've got him on one, on one of my All NBA teams as well, and you can see when he's when he's right, this team is hard to beat. And he's he's had another he's had honestly statistically his best year. And so I think you can kind of expect a little bit of a run from Miami, maybe in these playoffs again. We'll see. I I don't know if Milwaukee. Didn't match up well with them last year. I think Milwaukee's kind of a tough matchup for them this year, but yeah. they may not even have to play them in the first round now. We're not 100% sure on where the standings are going to finish. So, you know, if they're playing the Hawks in the first round, I think that's a that's a tough matchup for for both those teams. Either It could really go either way, but I think Miami's just really, really well coached. Most disappointing player, 
and I'm being kind of hard on him just for one reason, and it's Tyler Hero for me, just because mm -hmm. the hype around him, around this guy, and it's not his fault. You know, it's, it's he's not the one pushing this hype out there. You know, he had a heck of a, a time in the bubble. He was in, incredible, and everybody kind of expected him to make this leap, and he's gotten a little bit better, but the whole we can't trade him for James Harden thing. It's just yeah. it sticks in my mind every <laughs> single time I think about this team. Like imagine if they had James Harden with Bam and Jimmy Butler right now, how good they would be. And it just it goes to show you that even guys like, you know, Pat Riley aren't, you know, aren't perfect. And, you know, sometimes you hold on to a guy for whatever reason and he's just not the guy you think he is. And maybe he will be, but he's young. Yeah. But I just I wanted to see more out of him this year and it hasn't really quite been there. And maybe, maybe he'll, maybe bubble Tyler will show back up in the playoffs and, and they'll go on a run again. And, and I could very well see that happening. And coach Spo, you know how I feel about him. Eric Spolstra to me is the best coach in the NBA. He's right it, up it, there. Yeah. It shows more in the playoffs, even, even than in the regular season, because you see time and time again, a guy's system doesn't work for seven straight games against the same team. You've got to be able to adjust and nobody adjusts like, like Eric Spolster does. So, you know, he's done another masterful job. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NBA and he's not going anywhere for a long time. Um, I was going to say their biggest decision is Victor Oladipo. Do they re-sign him and to how much money, but with another injury, I, I don't know if that, that door hasn't closed for Miami. I, I feel bad for him. You know, he turned down a huge extension with the Pacers. He turned down a huge extension with Houston. He goes and he played, I think, what, 10 minutes or something with Miami. Yeah. And just has has been out. And he's having surgery again on his quad, which, you know, it. let's be honest, it robbed him of, of the explosiveness that he had that made him so great two or three years ago. He, You know, when he made the all-star team and, you know, Ever since then, it's kind of just been downhill for him, and I feel bad about it. But going forward, I would say if, if that door's closed, do they bring back Goran Dragic? They've got a, a team option on him for next year, but it's like $21 million. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> he's been in the league a long time. And if he has another playoffs like he had last year where he he was arguably their best player for, for quite a long stretch in those playoffs before he got hurt, then maybe I could justify bringing him back at that number just – because you know what he's going to give you come playoff time. He's done it two years in a row. But at the age he's at, with the other guards they have on this team, you know, you've got to be thinking they can use that money somewhere else to a little bit better. So we'll we'll see how the playoffs go. I think that's going to be a big factor determining whether or not they bring back Goran Dragic. Yeah, and they have a, a number of decisions they got to make. You know, how much do they pay Duncan Robinson? You know, there's a whole but Kendrick Nunn. You know, all these guys are going to be looking to make money here soon. Right. And $21 million with, you know, bird rights on guys goes a long way. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with Tyler, or excuse me, Goran Rogers there. But mm -hmm. yeah, the whole Tyler Hero thing. I'm glad that you went that route because his, you know, 20 point games are few and far between. But when he hits a man, Twitter will definitely let you right. know that he's on for that night. So, we talked about the Heat. Let's talk about the team that you know they beat last season in, in a matchup that a lot of us on the network called that would go down that way are the Milwaukee Bucks. Results versus expectations for me, I projected them to be third in the East. And that's exactly where they are this year. They traded for Drew Holiday. They added Bobby Portis Jr. They got P.J. Tucker from Houston. Uh, Austin, no surprise here, their best player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's giving you 20-11-6. On a 57, 30, 69 clip, 
29.1 PER, almost 10 win shares a game. It's ridiculous. I know that we're not supposed to say this, but you can put him in the MVP conversation Mm -hmm. and even the defensive player of the year conversation. You could argue that this season is his best of the last three that he's had, but that's a conversation for another day. Now, you you had mentioned that there was a team that you had a hard time coming up with who the most um, disappointing rotational player was. Not going to lie, Milwaukee kind of gave me that same problems. I went ahead, though, and picked uh, Dante DiVincenzo based on the fact that, one, I think that he was kind of a reach for where they drafted him when he was drafted. But his value has seemed to gone down, especially after adding Drew Holiday to this team. You know, he he takes bad shots often, and his efficiency has gone down. Plays about 20 minutes per game. Um, his, his value over rotational player is 0.9, which is 102nd in the NBA. He's not even top five on this team in terms of scoring. His defense, he still gives you value there, but I don't think that it's necessarily um, vital to the output of this team. And again, this is I had to. This is the the one I had to pick a player, and I just decided to go with Dante here. A coaching job, I think Mike Budenholzer has done a great job of having a good season and it going under the radar. They're top ten in defensive and offensive rating, and I feel like their scheme has changed from last season to this year. So. We'll see, obviously, how he does in the playoffs, but I think that he's done a good job. And biggest looming decision, if they don't make a deep run in the playoffs, is Mike Budenholzer the coach of this team because they've invested heavily into Chris and Giannis. They just invested heavily into Drew. They have guys on this team who are good rotational players. Really, the only change, that, in my opinion, that you can make, barring breaking it up, is making a coaching change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know... With the, the the lack of picks that they have going forward and where they are financially, you know, they're not going to be able to really break this team up and make it any better. And barring some kind of crazy, you know, superstar trade, I've seen, you know, things floated on Twitter of, of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and, you know, whatever else they can throw in for, for maybe like a Damian Lillard if you know and i don't know why portland would ever do that in the first place unless lillard asked for a trade so you know i don't see a route that this team can can take to really improve this roster a whole lot and do they really need to they've got a heck of a team you know they're they're really really good on offense and they're really really good (laughs) on defense and for his in his defense Mike Goldenholzer did all the things you and I talked about. We wanted to see them do this offseason. They worked on, they've run different sets. They've gotten the ball out of Giannis's hands a little bit more. He's playing more minutes per game. You know, his usage rate went down and his minutes per game went up, which I think is, is perfect because you want to get him the ball in these spots to be able to be the most effective. And he's not the most effective 30 feet from the basket. He's just not. And Chris Middleton kind of is. And and Drew Holiday is is much more efficient from that part of the floor than than Giannis. So they've done the things I think we wanted to see from them. Whether or not it you know translates to a title remains to be seen. But I've been saying it for a while now. I wouldn't be shocked if they make the if they make the NBA finals by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and I think that that's a fair assessment on your end, too, for where they make the finals. And that's why I was saying they're having a strong season, Mm -hmm. but they've flown underneath the radar. Why do you think that is? Probably because they've been the number one team the last two years, and they've had the best record in the NBA, and they're third in the East this year now. And, you know, they're, but it's, I think that's partially by design. Like I said, they're trying to do different things and, and try different sets. And Mike Budenholzer, the one big knock on him has always been that he's, his system, 
that's all they do. They do that yeah. one thing and that's it. And they've been a lot more, you know, flexible with that this year. So, yeah, a little, little less rigid this season than years past. All right, Austin. So we've got yeah. a couple minutes. We're going to hit one more team before we right. close out for the day. And you have the off the ball network darlings of the Kenneth, NBA. Cover your ears. The New York Knickerbockers. Right. The New York right. pants. So the to New speak. York pants, so to speak. All right. I learned so. I learned something yesterday. I really didn't know that that's what that, that came from. That's interesting. But uh, for go. anybody that didn't know, Nick's Knickerbockers is a is a type of pants they used to wear back in the day, I guess. So there you go. <laughs> um, I did have the New York Knicks, and I will tell you guys from the jump, I thought I was being very, very generous, projecting them to finish 11th in the East this year. Um, I thought, you know, hey, man, they've got some players that could be good, but it's going to be a rough year. Uh, not so. And I really kind of feel like I should have seen it coming because, you know, Tom Thibodeau is one of the best at, at you know, turning around a, a losing team for sure. He's he's going to work those guys to death. But if you're willing to, to you know, listen to what he says and do, do it how he says, you almost know that you're going to be successful. And I said it the other day, you know, Thibodeau is going to be Thibodeau, you know, two of his three players or two of the top three players in minutes are Knicks in, in RJ Barrett's third and uh, Julius Randall's first in minutes played. And, you know, that's kind of how it always goes for, for a Tom Thibodeau coach team. Uh, Julius Randall has obviously been their best player. Um, I think he's had a all NBA level performance. Um, some people want to push him into the MVP talk, and I think that's a little too much yet. But uh, he's had a heck of a year. You know, yeah. you can't really take anything away from what this guy's done. He's he's the driving force behind this team. He's had huge, huge storybook moments throughout the year where, you know, he's had forty point games. He's had incredible performances. So he's been fantastic. Most disappointing player, and again, this is one that I, I don't want people to take the wrong way. I, I went with Obi Toppin, and not that I think he's going to be a, like a career disappointment or he was a bad pick where they took him at all. I still think he was a great selection where they got him. I just kind of – I had expectations that he could be the best offensive play, offensive rookie coming out of this draft his first year. I, I thought his offensive game at the very least would translate pretty well to the NBA. I think he's averaging four points a game. Yeah. So, you know, he, but a lot of that's no fault of his own too. You know, RJ Barrett's has improved a lot. Julius Randall. I don't think they really expected him to be anywhere near where he's at now. And I kind of think that he's, that's taken up a lot of the time for Obi to really have a chance to, you know, to shine and to grow. So I do still expect him to be a great, great player going forward. I just, I had a lot higher expectations with him at the beginning of the year than I, than what we saw. Um, I already touched on coach Thibodeau a little bit, so I won't go too much into that. I just think, you know, you saw it with the bulls. You saw it with not as much with Minnesota, but well, they made the playoffs for the first time in forever underneath them. So true, true. And that is, that is a good point. And I, and you know, it's Minnesota. So, you know, they've, they've always been pretty, pretty rough team going, you know, throughout their history. It's, it's always been rough to be a fan of the, of the Timberwolves for sure. Um, biggest decision for the Knicks going forward, I still think is the same thing that it was at the end of last year. And it's, they've got to find a point guard for this team for the future. Uh, I like Emmanuel quickly, but is he, you know, a, your starting NBA point guard on a championship level team? I don't know yet. Maybe. Um, but they've got a lot of cap space. They've, they've got room to make some moves going forward. And I still think that, you know, you get this team, a, a legitimate starting NBA point guard, you know, even maybe all-star caliber point guard, just 
everybody says, is this next team one team one player away? Well, no, I, I'm not so sure about that. I think one one player and and they could compete in the East for one of those top three or four spots going forward because they've got a lot of young, really really exciting players on this roster. Yeah, they absolutely do. And I think too, Austin, you were to, we we both our last couple segments have talked about disappointing and it's not that we're saying that these players are bad and I think that's right. why we picked the term disappointing is because it's kind of the reality versus expectations aspect of it you know and that's where I lived with Dante DiVincenzo not to say that he's a bad player but he's kind of taking a step back on a really good deep team and the same thing for Obi I had him as my second best player on my board he's mm-hmm. in that aspect it has been a disappointing season but he hasn't really been needed to be that type of player for this Mm -hmm. team and i loved your comment on tibbs spot on and then also they have multiple draft picks moving forward too so Mm -hmm. do they look to keep building young with the change in front office that they've had or do they try to cash in on some of their assets so all fair assessments but austin we're coming up against it as predicted we still have the orlando magic the 76ers the raptors the wizards and our teams for next season to keep an eye on. But mm-hmm. that's going to wrap it up for us today here on the Nothing But That channel on Dash Radio. Awesome. Before we go, do you got any parting words? Um, you know, thanks for listening, everybody. Just go to offtheballnetwork.com. Check out me and Steven's uh, all-NBA teams. You know, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us which one you think is, is more realistic, which one you like better, Who's who you think did better. Uh, for my money, I'll take Steven's. But, you know, that's just, I think, the world of, of ever, all the work you do, you know that. And uh, Thank you know, you. check out everything on our on our network. Everybody's doing a great job. You know, Steven and I were just on a show the other night with Jelani, and uh, that was so much fun. I mean, it went almost two hours, and it felt like we could have just kept going all night. So that's just the way that everybody is on this network. We, we could talk about this stuff all day, and we work with some really, really talented people. So go ahead and get, make sure you check everybody out. Yeah, and we were on the, the name of that podcast was What the Game Means to Me with yes. Jelani Brown. So go and check that out. Thad is normally on there too, but he wasn't on for that night, which, you know, we got to gotta work with that here soon. But um, absolutely, man. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. Um, if you want to follow Austin on Twitter, you can hit him up at AustinCar10 on Twitter. Is that right? All right, That's so correct. I haven't committed to memory. You can follow me at StevenBTG which stands for breaking the game. If you want to follow breaking the game, our social media platforms are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBA or excuse me at BTG NBA pod. And that's available anywhere. Podcasts are available too. So go ahead, go subscribe and follow, leave us a nice five star rating and a nice review that would help us out a lot. And you get to listen to the rest of this exclusive episode, but for the nothing minute channel on dash radio today, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Shout out to Off the Ball Network. And before we go, I want to let everyone know that you can go and get 20% off and free shipping with code BTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BTG, unlock your confidence, and as always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. But like I said, we're done for the day. We're going to be on the podcast. We'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. All righty. So, Austin, we're picking up right back where we left off on the podcast here on Breaking the mm-hmm. Game. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning right back in to this show. Thank you for listening to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. But, Austin, we left off 
with your assessment of the New York Knicks. And why don't you just give us a nice little recap on, on what, yeah. What you so, you know, their best players obviously been Julius Randall. Um, I did go with Obi Toppin for most disappointing, but like you and I both said, just both most disappointing doesn't mean we think they're a bad player. It's just, I expected big things out of Obi Toppin offensively coming out of college. And he hasn't really had the opportunity to show us that yet. That's, and that's not really his fault. Um, Thibodeau, can't say enough about his him as a coach. You know his coaching style is a little rough around the edges. Some some for some people, but and he's proven time and time again. If you if you listen to what he says and you do things the way he wants them done, that you're pretty much going to be successful. And the Knicks are the best defensive team in the NBA for a reason, and and that's a big part of it. Um, and then just going forward, do they? You know what do they do with all? Like you said, with all the picks they have, with the cap space. They need to find a point guard for the future. Is Emmanuel quickly that guy? Maybe, maybe not. We're not to that point yet where we have to really determine. But I think if this team wants to make the leap to you know compete for a title in the next couple of years, that finding a, a, a point guard is is the way for them to go. Yeah, and again, I, I echo that same sentiment. They got two first-round draft picks. Do they keep those and improve their depth? Do they combine those, try to move up? Do they try to grab a player? We don't know. We can only speculate here, but we're going to move forward now with my assessment of the Orlando Magic. I projected them to be in the East. Uh, In my notes, for some reason, I have them at third, but I believe they're 13th in the East now, so Mm -hmm. not too far off, especially considering that they shipped off all of their best players in Vucevic, Gordon, and Fournier. Uh, So this left me a big hole, Austin, for best player because I didn't want to pick guys who are no longer on the team. Mm -hmm. And so that left me with, I could have picked two guys. One of them was Terrence Ross, who I didn't go with. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the rookie Cole Anthony as their best player. He's averaging 12-5-4, and 4, 40% from the field, 33% from deep, 83% from the free throw line, almost a 12 PER, which is not bad for a rookie to be league average already for where he was drafted at ninth. That was a good get. I actually projected them on offtheballnetwork.com. You can go see my mock draft. I predicted that the magic would get Cole Anthony because they needed a point guard and he's at zero win shares, but on a team that's losing a lot to be dead, even in win shares, I feel like that's a, you know, you can look at that in a positive light. Mm -hmm. Now, Austin, my most disappointing rotational player has been Mo Bamba. And again, this is a weird team because you, you can obviously see what they're trying to do. They're not trying to win basketball games right now. Mm -hmm. They want to develop the young core, get some nice depth, maybe land a star in the draft and have good rotational players surrounding them. So I went with Mo Bamba. He was the sixth overall pick when he was taken. Uh, Vooch was traded and since then has only started like four games. So even without Nikola Vucevic, they have, you know, kind of their project, maybe star in the making Mo Bamba, very tantalizing prospect coming out of the University of Texas. We're not seeing much of him. He is averaging eight, six, and one on a 48-32-68% clip, only a .4 value over rotational player. So it's been a little disappointing because I thought that we might see this climb, but you know, obviously the trade to Chicago brought in Wendell Carter Jr., so that to me kind of signaled that maybe Orlando doesn't have the utmost confidence in the talents of Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. So their coaching job, uh, Steven, or Steve Clifford has obviously been dealt uh, a rebuilding job here, and I don't know if he kind of fits that timeline. I'm kind of cheating here. This is a looming, another looming decision, kind of bonus content, if you will. Does he kind of fit their timeline? I don't know if he's necessarily going to be mm-hmm. their coach moving down the road. 
um, because he's a no nonsense. I demand it now. Orlando doesn't seem to be on that same page right now. So mm-hmm. with that being said, my other biggest looming decision with so many young players and more picks, who do they target in the draft? You know, do they, because now they have Chicago's pick too with that Vooch trade, which looks like it's going to be valuable. They have a couple point guards. They have some wings and they have a couple bigs. So I don't know who they target in the draft. Maybe the best available. Do they go maybe after Jonathan Kaminga? Does he fit? Uh, but Orlando likes these kind of multifaceted, versatile players. I think a, a green might be a good pick for this team mm-hmm. as well. If if they can land him, depending on where the lottery balls bounce, uh, maybe maybe Jalen Green on this team would be a good fit. But also, what do you think of the Orlando Magic assessment? Well, if they can get Jalen Green, I think they they better jump on it. Uh, to me, he's the I'll I'll just say it. He's my number one prospect in this whole draft. I like I love Cade Cunningham. I just think Jalen Green has a chance to be absolutely special and. If if we're being honest about it, Orlando doesn't have a, a star. They need they need a a guy that they can look at and say, hey, this is who we think is going to be the guy. And Kaminga's really really good, but he kind of to me feels like a number two. You know, like a, like he would be a really really good number two. But is he going to be you know that dual forward we like to talk about that engine for a team? And I, I think Jalen Green fits that fits that mold you know perfectly. So. If they can get him, I think they they better jump at that chance. But um, something you don't see a whole lot of in the NBA draft that I would like to that I, I would think would make sense for this team is is you don't see a lot of teams really like package picks and move up like you do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if they have two lottery picks that are are you know say in the top twelve and top five, and they can move up to to second or third and get a, a Jalen Green or a Jalen Suggs, even you know, I think that's something that they really, really need to look hard at doing because they do need a lot of guys that they have a lot of holes to fill. But I think first and foremost for for Orlando, and it's been this it's been this way for Orlando for as long as I can remember, is they need to find a star player because up until this year they've been hesitant to start a re, like a full rebuild like this, and they've just kind of been middling around the eighth seed you know, just good enough to get in the playoffs, not good enough to win a series and, you know, right in the middle of the pack year after year. And they've obviously decided that now's the time to to try to rebuild. And I think they should go all in in this draft. I wholeheartedly agree. So it looks like they're doing a little bit of what this team used to do once upon a time, mm-hmm. not any longer. We're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, Austin. So yes. you, you have the honor to break down uh, one of, one of my, favorite teams to watch in the Eastern Conference this year. So what do you think of Philly? Well, this is one of my favorite teams to watch in the East too. So we're, we're in agreement on that for sure. That's why uh, we co-host the show together. Right. You know, Philly, <laughs> um, Philly's one of these teams where am I allowed to say I told you so, but also be surprised at how they finished because I've felt like for the last three or four years that they've had the talent to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. It's just whether or not they put it together. And this year they have, and, you know, a lot of that has to do, I think with the the coaching of um, Doc Rivers. And I was on this show saying a year ago that I wasn't that high on the, on the, on Doc Rivers to Philly because, you know, he's lost a lot of big leads in playoffs scenarios. He's, he's really, really, really liked and respected as a coach, but I thought his reputation was maybe a little bit overrated. I was wrong about that. He's had a heck of a year. Um, you know, they figured out how to make Embiid and Simmons work together, and which, you know, is apparently some, you know, mystical thing that no one could figure out how to get two 
you know, otherworldly level players to play well together on offense just because they're both not necessarily shooters. You know, once upon a time, the NBA didn't rely solely on having a bunch of shooters on the court and they were able to figure it out. So, you know, Doc's figured it out. You haven't heard a word all year about Ben Simmons uh, inability or or unwillingness to shoot threes, whatever it is. And, you know, it's because they've kind of taken the ball out of his hands on offense, so to speak, a little mm-hmm. bit. And they don't really expect him to do a whole lot on offense. And it's kind of unlocked him to be what I think is the best one-on-one defender in the NBA. I think he can go in there and he has a unique ability like what guys, a couple guys on the Clippers have to shut down a star player on the other team. And in the NBA anymore, that you don't see that a whole lot. You don't see guys really put – put the clamps on people, so to speak like that. And he's been doing it all year. And, you know, his counterpart, Joel Embiid has been just as good defensively in the post and protecting the rim. He's, you know, still an MVP candidate despite missing a quarter of the season or so. Uh, To me, Embiid has been their best player for sure. Um, This is one where another one where I actually wrote none in my, in my list for most disappointing rotation (laughs) player. Uh, I don't think there's a guy in their rotation that they're really, you know, that I'm re- really disappointed in their in their performance. You know, they went and got Seth Curry, and he's been great. Tobias Harris has had his best year since in in a while. You know, since maybe he was with the Clippers with Doc Rivers, so you know that makes sense. Um, Shake Milton's had a really good year as their backup point guard. Ben Simmons, like I said, up for Defensive Player of the Year. And beads up for MVP. You know what more can you want from from this rotation? I I don't think there's been a single guy on this team that I'm I'm down on. Um, Philly's one of these teams where in a couple of months I could see a lot of people saying, "Well, why didn't we see this coming when they're the NBA champions?" And you know they very easily could win the title this year. I think it's pretty wide open compared to what we thought it was, things were going to be going into the season. I did have them fourth in the East to start the year and obviously they've they've exceeded my expectations but i'm i'm surprised but happily surprised at how good they've done this year yeah i had them fifth i had um the team that i'm going to be talking about next ahead of them mm-hmm. on top of you know the, the the other big three in the east outside right. of you know the boston celtics too so i had brooklyn and milwaukee right. over them too but i think a lot of it had to do with doc rivers coming in and i i think the the expectation for so many people was is that how do you make Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid work with the assumption that Ben has to be the number two option on mm-hmm. offense? And Doc Rivers comes in and says, oh, no, we're going to have Tobias Harris be the second option on offense. And Ben is just going to be able to exert himself as much as he wants on the defensive end. And, you know, obviously play make on the offensive end and be available for dunks and transition mm-hmm. opportunities. So smart move by him to think outside of the box. And I love Doc Rivers and I'm not going to lament or, you know, expound on that much more because I felt like I've done a good job since, you know, we started talking about him being overrated last year. Um, So Toronto Raptors, there's no real lead in that I want to give this team because I don't think that they deserve one. Um, First off results versus expectations. I had the, excuse me, I had the, I had Toronto fifth and I had Philly fourth. So a little bit higher. Um, Now they're 12th in the East. They lost Ibaka and Gasol. Those those were the two biggest losses on this team. And with their age and with Chris Boucher on the team, they brought in, you know, Aaron Baines. I thought, okay, that's not going to be that significant of a drop off, man. I was I was totally wrong. And listen, they moved from Toronto to Tampa. So 
maybe Nick Nurse is kind of getting a little bit of a pass. I'm going to go ahead and get into my coaching evaluation here. Maybe he's getting a little bit of a pass on a very disappointing season because of that aspect. And I wonder how much tolerance they're going to give him based on that. But their best player this year, I think this is a little bit debatable. You could say Pascal Siakam, or you can say the guy who I picked, uh, Fred Van Vliet. He's giving you 24 and 6 every night on 39% from the floor overall. That's not super impressive. But when you consider how much of them are from deep, he's shooting 37% from deep. That's pretty impressive. And 89% from the free throw line. He's giving you 16.8 PER and 4.3 win shares on the 12th best team in the East. It's not that bad at all. Uh, disappointing rotational player, Austin. I went ahead and picked Aaron Baines because he's replacing two championship level front court players in Gasol and Ibaka that we talked about earlier. He only gives you five and five on 43% from the field as a big. That's terrible. 24% from deep after what we saw in Phoenix. Huge mm-hmm. drop off. And then 73% from the line. Austin, get this. He's negative 0.8 in terms of value over rotational wow. players. So he's not even a rotational player in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of looked at as to be the bridge big between their championship season, you know, a couple years ago to now trying to look and see what they do rebuilding wise. I already talked about Nick Nurse and the coaching performance. I still think that he's a talented and a capable head coach. But we're starting to gonna we're gonna start hearing like how much of the win was because of Kawhi. Yeah, it was cool that he put in these funky high school defenses and it confused the mess out of offenses in the NBA. But is he that dude? Does he deserve to start having these assistant coaches of his branch out and get other opportunities elsewhere? So keep that in mind. We've seen how one has turned out so far. Yeah, and it's not been great. Right. Um, biggest looming decision though is how do the Raptors handle Kyle Lowry? And Gary Trent Jr. Now they traded Gary for Gary Trent with Portland. Um, they they handed out Norman Powell. Now they have a restricted free agent. They have an aging veteran who's largely looked at as the best player in franchise history. And how do they handle those things? I think that that's going to be the biggest looming decision because they got great young pieces in Siakam, Van Vliet, Onanubi. They have another couple of guys on their team too, like Chris Boucher, who could be coming off the bench. It's just curious to me. I'm curious, excuse me, on how they handle that. Austin, what do you think? You know, me too. Um, I think for as much as I've lamented the trade of Gary Trent Jr. away from Portland, I think it was a really, really good move on Toronto's part because he's a young, up-and-coming stud player. Um, So I think they need to to focus on re-signing him. And it really comes down to... What's important for Toronto, you know, holding on to, you know, memories of this championship team and arguably the greatest player in franchise history in Kyle Lowry, or is it continuing to be a a championship contender? Because I don't think they can tie up a whole lot of money for a whole lot longer in Kyle Lowry and still compete. Um, I think that money could be used elsewhere better. Uh I kind of saw this coming for for Toronto. I, I thought they would have a, a significant drop off. I had them at the bottom of the playoff picture, not out of the playoffs completely, but pretty pretty far down there. I think seventh or eighth. Mm-hmm. And you know, Ibaka and, and Gasol have been have hurt. Those losses have hurt them for sure. And Aaron Baines is to me is the surprising part. What, what you said, like I I liked him. I thought he was a had a, a couple good years in Phoenix. He's he's looked good. He mm-hmm. I thought he was going to come in there and really be helpful especially from, you know, stretching the floor and, and shooting 
and he's been awful. So whatever's happened there, you know, it hasn't worked out. Uh, Toronto's got a lot of questions going forward, but if there's ever such thing as a lost year, I think you can call it this year. I don't know going into it, not having a home to play in and being stuck in Tampa all year and not being allowed in Canada at all, really. I don't know how much Toronto wanted to win this year, how much they expected to be able to win this year. So if if, if you can call a lot a year a lost year, I think this is the this is the one time where I would be okay with that. That sounds good. So Austin, you are giving the the heavy task of not only talking about the Washington Wizards, but discussing who their best player is. I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see the route that you go here because I think there's an argument that could be made between two guys. I think you and I are going to share the same opinion, but I'm just curious to see which route you go. Well, yeah, there's definitely an argument made that you know one of two guys is is Washington's best player, but I think you know past history and just the last couple of months have shown that it's not Bradley Beal; it is in fact Westbrook. Um, and you know how much I I love Russell Westbrook and how I feel about him. I won't go too mm-hmm. in depth on it, but. How much more can you say about the guy? I mean, he's, what, 23, 11.6, and 11.6 on the year. It's his fourth season averaging a triple-double. He's the career leader in triple-doubles, you know, something that I never thought I would see broken. And since he got healthy and since he's gone on this triple-double streak and this tear of, of dominance, Washington has shot up from six weeks ago. They were last place. Mm-hmm. And they're almost get, they're almost, they're about to clinch a spot in the play-in tournament. That's crazy. That fast to make that big of a turnaround. And Bradley Beal is terrific. Don't get me wrong. Bradley Beal has had a a, a second year in a row where he's been, you know, almost unstoppable at times on offense. And he's one of these guys that can go out and get 50 at any given moment. And he's great. But that hasn't translated to a whole lot of winning in Washington at all in, in the last two or three years. And Russell Westbrook comes in and just, Kind of took over, and it's. I think it's a kind of a perfect fit between these two guys because it leaves Bradley Beal to just kind of focus on scoring and lets Westbrook do a little bit of everything else. So I think Westbrook has kind of been the difference since he's been healthy for this team. Um, coaching job, Scott Brooks, I don't know. Um, he's a lame <laughs> duck. He doesn't have a contract going forward, so that that usually doesn't bode well for, for coaches. Usually that means they're on their way out, but – since he's had his his guys healthy and since Westbrook has come back, you know, to being Russell Westbrook, because I'll be one of the first people to admit the first month of the season, I was saying he was done. I thought, yeah. it, you know, he was at the point where he was just going to fall off that cliff that everybody talks about. And, you know, he proved me wrong, too. So um, I could see him keeping him. I could see him getting fired. Honestly, you know, it could go either way. I had expectations of this team sneaking in the playoffs at the bottom, which is what they've done. So I. I I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. Um, disappointing players. I could pick just about anybody other than the two guys that that, that we went with. Um, I guess Bertans is who who I went with. Um, I like it. He hasn't really had the year that a lot of people expected. With you know, he was one of those guys in free agency that everybody talked about with his shooting. You know how important he was going to be to a team, and he got paid. Yes, he did. He got a lot of money. And that's that's really the main factor of why I picked him. Just that, you know, he seems overpaid now, whereas last year he seemed, you know, horribly underpaid. It's mm-hmm. like he 
I hate to say it because I don't know the guy and I don't want to speak on his personal motivations or anything, but a lot of times you see guys get paid and this is what happens. You know, they finally get that big contract and they treat that like the finish line and you know, Hey, I got my money now. Here we are. You know, I'm a star in the NBA and maybe that's not the case. Maybe he just struggled this year and for whatever reason, but he's definitely been, you know, a disappointment for that team for sure. Uh, But all things, all things considered, I, I think I had them at, 10 or 11 in the East, I think 10. And I think that's where they are right now. So, you know, they're right about where I expected. Yeah. And that's a fair assessment. I love the, I love the way that you went with the Scott Brooks discussion because, you know, do they, don't they type thing? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you look at possibly finishing, you know, ninth, eighth place in the Eastern conference as a win. I think that it, you can't, we can get caught up so much in like, they were the worst team and now they're just only slightly bad now. You know what I mean? Right. And then considering what he's done in his totality and his time in Washington, I don't think that it bodes well. I think that you can look at this roster and look at the improvements that they made, you know, as far as getting the best out of their players mm-hmm. late in the season and say, okay, look at what we did this year. How much better could we be with a coach who maybe is a little bit more contemporary, maybe right. is, uh, you know, more offensive minded, I guess, so to speak. So mm-hmm. because Brooks is, Look, it's no secret that he's a defensive-minded coach, and this isn't necessarily the best defensive team either, so you can look at it at that aspect right. as well. So, um, And then, too, you know, if you just look at it just through the lens of they've got two guys that are probably going to make all NBA teams, you know, they shouldn't be 10th in the in the East with two guys that are that good. So, Right, yeah, look at what Boston is dealing with right now with their two mm-hmm. stars, right? So, Austin, you came up with this last last segment. I love it. I wanted you to kind of go ahead and take lead on this in the direction of who are who is your team next year to pay attention to in the Eastern Conference? Well, for me, it's the the Charlotte Hornets. I think they're already a year ahead of where I expected them to be this time last year. You know, Lamelo Ball, I think, is a superstar in the making. I think they have every reason to be incredibly excited about that guy. There, um, I think. He's what everybody expected his older brother to be right out of the gate. And no offense to Lonzo, he's a good player, but but Lamelo's got it. You know, he's got that it factor. I think that he's just, you know, he's already kind of figured it out. And him, Gordon Hayward, has proven again. You know that I think he's one of the more underrated players in the NBA. I love Gordon Hayward. He's been hurt again this year, but you see what Boston how Boston has done this year without him. You know, I think they, they miss him and everybody always said, Oh, he was redundant. You know, he plays the same position as their other two stars and they can afford to lose him. Well, maybe that wasn't the case. And, uh, he's been terrific for them. Terry Rozier, like you said, has had a terrific year, kind of a a resurgence because I think a lot of people got, were pretty high on him after those playoff, you know, performances he had for Boston. And then when he went to Charlotte, you know, he was so, so, but, Devonte Graham is is kind of the wild card on that team. It, they get a big man and, and replace. You know, if they do lose Devonte Graham, use that money to re, to to bolster their front court. This is a team I think that in in a very short amount of time could be really really good in the Eastern Conference. And you know, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, they've got young talented players all over the floor, so that are versatile. I think they've got a good coach. Um, you know. Michael Jordan might have his first winning team as an owner and, you know, just about ever. So yeah. I'm excited for that. So I'm, I'm 
pretty interested to see where they go from here. And I think, I think the future is bright in Charlotte. Yeah. I think if they get a big man, then it's legit that, that you, they're a team that you got to pay attention to. And mm-hmm. I love miles bridges. Everyone looks at him as just a dunker. I think that that, you know, while at face value, you can appreciate that. I encourage you to dig a little bit deeper because there's so much more to his game than that. He's been on my fantasy team all year and he's been like a huge bright spot for me. He's done a lot of, a lot of good things. Yeah, he's just, he can shoot, he can defend. He's very athletic. He's actually a pretty timely shot blocker as well. So, you know, pay attention to to Charlotte. I love the direction that you went. I love that you picked them. The team that I'm going to say to watch out for next year and is because of who they have in their front office, the team that they came over from in Golden State. You can kind of start seeing a little bit of the same parallels and how they're performing this early in their in their you know timeline so to speak and that's the atlanta hawks Mm -hmm. you know you got trey young who is not the same player as steph curry but he is as important to the hawks i would say as curry is to the warriors probably already right now in his young career right Uh, you have john collins who's very very talented a big man who can stretch the floor he had a big three the other night to clinch the playoff win for the atlanta hawks it was I, i think that was a very timely shot it was very much needed and it had a little bit of weight to it uh you got guys like deandre hunter you got cam reddish on this team kind of your versatile two-way perimeter players and kevin herter is a great shooter you got you know bogdanovich who was supposed to be a buck now he's a hawk and that turned out to be a good acquisition clint capella is a walking 2020 you know rebounds an, a night maybe 20 points a game i'll say a walking 10 and 20 how about mm-hmm. that um, Onyeko Okonwu, the young rookie waiting in the wings, possibly to replace him, if not play alongside him at some point. I mean, they got so much depth. Danilo Gallinari is on this team. We forget because he's been injured. Lou Williams is on this team, not really doing a whole lot because you can't play him and Young on the floor at the same time because it's just right. a defensive nightmare. But overall, I- I'm looking forward to this team next season. Uh, the, the big thing on this team coming into the year was, do they keep John Collins? How do they match his contract? And there was the whole rumor that he and Trey didn't like each other. They get rid of their old coach. They bring in Nate McMillan. And all of a sudden, they look like they can play together. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to sign him long term, which it actually lines up pretty well due to the expiring contracts of Tony Snell and Lou Williams of about $20 million. So you you're not really going to lose a lot there. So Moving forward, how do they draft? How do they build? It looks like Atlanta could be a very dangerous team next season. And Austin, I'll add this. As much as I love Trey Young, he's not on my all-NBA team. How much fire do you think Trey Young comes in next season after another underappreciated year where he's Mm -hmm. up there in terms of league leaders and assists, up there in terms of points per game, He's a very, very talented player, but guard is a hard position to crack in the NBA, mm-hmm. even in the Eastern Conference this year. So you have an underappreciated Trey Young, uh, a developing, deep, loaded team in Atlanta, and a great head coach. Yes, I said a great head coach in Nate McMillan. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephen, you didn't even mention DeAndre Hunter or uh, I did. Reddish. I did. I mentioned them. Did you mention Hunter? I did. I mentioned both of them. I said oh. that they're two versatile two-way oh, yeah, wing did. players on the team. Sorry, I must have. Must there was have a lot in there. there. There was a lot uh, in there. Yep, yeah, but you know, you hit then you hit all you hit everything that I would have hit on for sure too. Then you know they're uh, like you said they're a, a loaded and and deep young team that has already shown flashes of how good they can be. 
Yeah, and, and that's why I picked them as the teams for to watch sure. for next season. So, Austin, that wraps up the show on both the radio and now the podcast. So, before we cut out of here, just want to turn the floor over to you. Let the folks know anything that you have going on, where they can find you, so forth. Uh, you can find me here every uh, twice a week with you on Breaking the Game. You can check out all my work at Off the Ball Network. I just posted my all NBA teams. Um, I am working on a, a couple of projects for this summer. I'm thinking about doing an, uh, a piece on some awards that I kind of came up with on my own. Um, some team awards too that I came up with on my own that I think are going to be pretty fun. So whenever that's done, I'll, I'll let you guys know and you can check that out. But you know, like I always say, go to off the ball network and take a look at everything we have there because there's a, a, a boatload of talent talented guys and people putting out stuff that you don't want to miss. Absolutely. And as for myself, you can go to off the ball network.com. Austin and I both have our all NBA teams up there. You can expect an off the ball network exclusive list of all NBA teams combined because a lot of us are coming out and putting up our all NBA teams. Now Mm -hmm. Um, I have my coaching prediction of whose seat is warming up and, you know, I think that's a pretty significant good list other than I didn't have Nate Bjorkren, but who knew type thing. Um, but before we get out of here, Austin, just want to remind everybody that they can get 20% off and free shipping with code BTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code BTG. Unlock your confidence and as always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. But Austin, man, it's been an honor and a pleasure as always to link up with you and talk the game out the way we do. I really value our conversation, man. Me too, man. It's always a lot of fun. It's always a good time. And I feel like I always learn something every time I listen to you talk. Well, I appreciate that, man. So, all right, we'll let the people go. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in for, you know, the the break in the game show, whether you listen to us on the nothing but that channel on dash radio, the podcast or both, please just tell your friends where they can find us and we'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you.